Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day. Uh, today is a fantastic day because the world at the moment is pretty tits up. It is not a nice world. Uh, and my heart goes out to so many, many people out there who are suffering at the moment. And I think what this world needs is, is more love, is more is more more passion, more joy, those kind of things on an individual level. And if we if we then can in all our own little bubbles can actually exude that joy, exude that love uh, towards the people around us, we become like force magnifiers. We become like those 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 little little moments of joy. They're literally walking into a room and you think, okay, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, sometimes it, it it's hard to 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 get those things those feelings in your own self so we all many of, of us don't have the self-worth and all that but i've got a guest here danielle bernock danielle is a woman uh, who calls herself quite rightly so the woman on the internet who loves you and it is it's it's maybe a bit corny, but I've met this girl and I've been on her show and I know it's actually true. She's an amazing woman and I'm so excited that I've got her today on my show to actually hear about her journey and hear about what drives her to make this world a bit of a better place. So, Danielle, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. When you said that the world needs love, I wanted to just start singing that song. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, and it is that's what we're all yearning for. Uh, we are yearning for being held, being told it, it's going to be all right. Um, it is certainly, this is the most powerful, disarming thing that my wife can do to me. When I'm angry and, and in my in my self-defense mode because I'm in stress or distress, if okay. she shows me love and say, hey, look, it's all gonna be all right, just sit down and let me let me here's here's your dinner when I come home from work. That little gesture of love it means so much. Um, so Absolutely. So, but I mean, it, it, we both preach to the converted, but how did your journey start? When did you realize that love is such an important feeling for you? And the far more important it is, how did you come to a point where you wanted others to learn from you, to, to be able to live in a life that is different than maybe yours was in the past and theirs is now? Oh, my journey was a very long journey. I grew up feeling unloved by my family. I felt like I didn't belong in my family. I suffered many various kinds of childhood trauma, bullying and verbal abuse and public shaming and in the neighborhood, at home, at school, at church, I mean, everywhere. <laughs> I was just ravaged inside. And as a child, my parents, we went to church for a while. And I really liked that. But then suddenly they stopped going. And as a child, I, I didn't fully understand. I understand it all now. <laughs> but back then, I didn't know. And so I took the bus all by myself. I would go to church all by myself. And I did that. I'd walk to the corner and wait for the bus to come pick me up and be all excited and go and went to their thing called Vacation Bible School. I did all that stuff until the trauma happened at the church where I was 
publicly denied in front of the entire congregation congregation uh, being a member of the church, left sitting on the front row of the church, just utterly devastated. Why was that, may I ask? What, what happened there? I didn't know at the time. I found out later it was because my parents had stopped going to church. So in their brilliant wisdom, they said, if they made me a member, I would stop going, which was really kind of funny <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because they let me go through extra classes and stuff like that so that they finally would make me a member. And they did it at night when hardly anyone was there. It's just so, it's so appalling. Uh -huh. But then that was the last time I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't show you actually much love there no uh, it was no they it was religion it was religion and i came to find out later that there had been another pastor that they kicked out of the church they voted him out because he was bringing um the message of the holy spirit into the church and they didn't like that so they kicked him out and brought this other guy and my, my mom said that my dad wouldn't go to church because the new pastor sounded like mickey mouse <laughs> <laughs> okay but anyway i did that and i stopped going to church and i lost my grandmother and i lost my dad and i lost my brother all these deaths in my life and then i had this horrific trauma regarding my name also and all of that just it emasculated me and i had to i had some weird drive inside of me that i don't know if it was from my brother or from led zeppelin <laughs> hey i had to go to california you know, oh, excellent. Uh, 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 I okay. had to go. My, my eldest brother went out on a road trip out to California and I had to go. I had nothing more than that. Beautiful. I just had to go. And I tried to go. I had a friend lined up to go and she backed out. And then I had someone else lined to go and they backed out. I put an ad in the paper to get someone to go with me. And then I met them to meet them at a restaurant and I ended up having to get an ambulance to take this person away because they were not right in their mind. Oh. And I got to the point that I'm, I'm going by myself and this God stepped in in his mercy because <laughs> I would have gone all by myself. That was a long time ago. <laughs> there were no such thing as cell phones. Oh. There were pay phones and to call home to check in. What we did is did a call a person to person collect. And they would ask if, you know, is the person there? And if they wanted to talk to me, they'd say yes. And they'd accept the charges. But I was at, I was going to college. And this, this girl walked into the room in the bathroom. They had a whole um, lounge in the bathroom for smoking. And I was a smoker back then. I was sitting there. She walked in and she goes, I'm, you know, does anyone know anyone who wants to go to California? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And she's like, I'm serious. I'm like, you've got no idea how serious I am, girl. <laughs> And we ended up going out to California. And up until that time, I was trying to prove God didn't exist because I was pretty pissed off at him. <laughs> I felt like he killed my brother and he killed my dad and he killed my, my grandmother is how I felt. And I'd been to church, so, you know, I, I knew some stuff. So I, I, I had enough to get myself in trouble a lot. <laughs> But by the time I was driving out to California, then I was smoking weed and I was doing mescaline. I was taking speed. I had eating disorders. I mean, I was, 
I was messed up <laughs> exponentially. But May I ask what did the what did the Mariana do? And what visions or what what experience did you get with the mescaline or with the psychoactive substances? Did they were they just numbing you or were yes. they actually doing giving you insights? No. Hmm. It was just numbing. <laughs> okay. It was cool. it was just escaping. And the speed was because I had eating disorders and hmm. of course. All of that I was also had a lot of bad coping mechanisms. I bit my fingers, fingernails until they blood. I mean, I was, what did you say? You were trying to kill yourself in installments. That's what you said to me. <laughs> I was trying to kill myself as slowly as possible because I was trying right. to torment myself because I hated myself so badly. I thought, no, I was unlovable. No one could love me. And I was just so angry and messed up. And it was, it was horrible. But on this trip out there, I had a spiritual encounter in my car. And I came back to my faith in Jesus, but that was even messy <laughs> then because I knew so much things that were wrong. You know, I was so afraid of God. It was, it was like, <laughs> it's like, I'm coming back, but don't kill me. <laughs> mm, <laughs> it's about mm. like it was like, it was horrible, mm. but he's not like that really. So I have come so far since then, but I have a little book called Love's Manifesto and in it, I Tell how it took me 34 years hmm. to believe that God loved me. And that Jeez. was connected to that trauma that happened in the church and went through so many things to unlearn the yeah. fear and drive that out yeah. of me. I mean, it's a great big, long, drawn out story. I couldn't even share it all on, on this podcast, but that's so why I wrote this. my book, Emerging with Wings. That's that's that story there. <laughs> he so has a road the trip God, in there. Which the is God funny. of your understanding was really quite a punisher, um, a nasty badass, um, either my way or you're going to go to hell kind of a thing. Exactly. That's pretty much what I thought of him. Mm. And that is not how I know him now. It's mm. a long thing. And my husband is part of the process also. Very supernatural how we were put together. I know a lot of people, they go dating and they go out and all that. We didn't do that. <laughs> okay. It was very supernaturally put together. And like I said, the story's kind of long, but I'll just skip to the engagement. We had started going out, I guess you call it, but we went to like Bible study things together. Okay. And we, we did go to an amusement park called Cedar yeah. Point, which is really big on roller coasters here in America. And he... I just, I, I knew something inside that this was supposed to, I, I was supposed to be with him. I just like knew, but I had such bad trust issues. My attachment was the complex messed up mm. one. <laughs> it's the, um, mm. the anxious and avoidant mixed together, the complicated one. Mm. I had that and I'm like, no, I, I broke up with him. We have to be just friends, did the bit, just friends thing. But we started this journey together August 6th of that year and it was I think the 26th where I said we had to be just friends and then I called him every day after that because I knew when the words came out of my mouth that I should not have done that <laughs> I'm like talk about sticking your feet in your mouth you know yep. <laughs> then finally it's like I'm I Nothing worked. I got to the end of myself and I'm like, God, if you want this, you got to do this. I'm done. 
And then a Tuesday, the following Tuesday came, and I knew he went to some Bible study somewhere he had told me about. And I just knew he was going to call me. I just knew. I don't know. Like, you know, it's going to rain. Some people know that because they feel it in their bones or something. And uh, he did. He called me. He came and he picked me up. I went to that thing. We got back together. And then he proposed to me on September 1st of that same year, August 6th to September 1st. <laughs> and it, the, the proposal was just like something you, it's in the, it should be in the movies. It was hilarious. Because <laughs> then after he proposed and he said, I didn't have to answer right away because it was like, he's proposing because he felt like God wanted him to do that. I was, you know, I felt like God wanted me to marry him. And um, then after he did that and I said, yes, then we sat on the ground and just stared going words like fiance and wedding and unbelievable there was no ring no nothing nothing like that and then it gets better it gets better the next day because we're i'm at this camp this camp his parents went to this camp so his, his mom and his sister were there and i went up with them for the weekend so we're walking to breakfast to the, you know the the mess hall for breakfast and his mom just starts bursting out crying, going, my baby, my baby. And we had said, we're not telling nobody this because we don't know we don't know what we are doing. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you told her. I did not. You told her. No, you told her. We hadn't told her. And then when, when I got home, my mom says to me, so when are you announcing your engagement? I'm like, said, who told you? And she said, the Lord told me. And I'm like, this is just too freaking bizarre. <laughs> My husband and I have been married for 42 years. It was uh, definitely a match made in heaven where I didn't have the sense to know any good, any better of that. He was the first person in my life that demonstrated to me what unconditional love looked like. I had never experienced that before. And he walked that out with me. And it's like learning that I could be loved by someone I felt so dirty and unworthy, yet he loved me. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and that, that was the beginning of that. And we had our children. God gave us our children. We weren't either one of us. We're not supposed to be able to have children. We weren't going to have children. I'm like, I'm not having kids. I'm not screwing them up like I am. Uh, okay. <laughs> but God had other plans. He even gave us the names of them. And we had them. And I'm like, and they're healthy. And I was afraid, you know, they'd have like forearms and legs and, you know, things because all the drugs I did. <laughs> I was so afraid. But the grace of God has just been there. And just little by little by little, I have learned it took 34 years for God to convince me that he loved me no matter what, even on my worst, ugliest day. And I still remember the day. It was October 12th. 2012, I believe, I, I wrote a note in my phone the morning that it happened that I knew. And there's nothing like that when you have felt so unloved, when you have felt so dirty and so worthless, and like you have to earn everything, oh. that you are loved just where you are right now in the middle of your biggest mess. I don't care what you have done. Oh. You are loved. And that compels me to tell others that they're loved. You who are listening, you who are watching, you are loved. I don't care what you're doing right now. You are loved right where you are. Mm. 
love doesn't leave us there. You know, love found you. You told me how your kids came in and cuddled you and your wife's love came and rescued you. And look where you are now, what that love has done in your life. Mm -hmm. What love has done in my life is just phenomenal. And that's why I am compelled to share that love because love changes us in the best, most awesomest way. It's, it's our greatest need as human beings. I mean, they've been studies. I took psychology and stuff like that and the Reese's monkeys and stuff. I don't know if you've ever heard those studies. They had these monkeys. They had a group of them here and a group of them here. And this one, they had this wire monkey and it had food in a bottle to feed the monkeys. And this one over here, it was wrapped with fur and everything, but it didn't have any food. The ones with the food died and the ones without the food lived because we need love. Love is a need that we have. So I am compelled to share this. It's like I discovered this. The love has healed my heart of those traumas little by little. That's why I have my programs that I do. That's why I, I coach my clients in that to help them to own the truth, to reclaim what I call your God-given greatness. Everyone has greatness inside of them. Mm -hmm. And to reclaim that, it belongs to you. You're born with it. No child is born hating themselves. <laughs> Something happens that takes us to worthlessness. And it's a great tragedy. And I want to help people to heal, to own the truth of their value, to own the truth that they matter. They have something in them to give to the world. And it's just, it drives me. Like my second book is Because You Matter. You know, that's really popular out there because you matter, because people need to know that they matter. It's just so important. I need to drink water now. I've been talking too long. <laughs> it is just so powerful, isn't it? It is so powerful that love wins once you feel it. Many of us do search for it forever, yet forget that we can create this love by actually loving ourselves by and with that i mean the act of showing love to someone else mm -hmm. um to make put some put a smile on someone's face to make someone else feel good that is such a beautiful thing but sometimes we are so in our anger and resentment and so that you, you keep forgetting that. And you say, I want to be loved. Come on, love me because I'm, I deserve it. I, I, res I deserve the respect that you love me. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work for me for a very long yeah, time. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't it? No. <laughs> so no, despite the fact that we actually do so much yearn for that, just being, being held. Um, where do you start with this with this journey with with people who come to you i mean it is, is such a, a fundamental core belief that you're talking about mm -hmm. yet we have got layers of layers of layers of trauma layers of of all kind of crap that keep us busy and mm -hmm. keep us distracted from what needs to be done how the hell do you start well, I have a process called self, and I use the self on purpose 
very intentionally because it's ourself that out of ourself that we make our choices. You know, we get one life and it's up to us what we do with it. I, I believe that God has given us this life and he has given us that freedom. Like I said before that God was the punisher. Well, now I believe what is actually in the Bible that God is love mm -hmm. <laughs> and he is a source of love mm -hmm. and he loved us first. <laughs> And that's why we love him because he loved us first. <laughs> and one of the messed up beliefs I had was that Punisher wanted to eradicate the self. And so that's why I'm very bent on the self because I feel the self is very important. That's, that's who we are. That's the core of who you are. That's what trauma steals your sense of self. And my process self it, it's four steps, but we go through it repetitively because, like you said, the layers. Mm. And it's see, expose, love, and free. You have to see where you are. You have to mm. see what is happening in your life. Mm. You have to be aware of where you are at, what your mm. problem is, what your behavior is, what your, you know, just awareness. And then E is exposed. That's why. Mm. Why are you there? Why are you doing that? Why? What happened? And then L is love. That's lavishing love, loving yourself. And for me, it's, you know, lavishing the love of God because God loves us, even in our ugliness. I mean, that's what it even says. He loved us in our ugliness. We, we can't be perfect. I mean, do you know anyone who's perfect? I don't know anyone who's perfect. So we lavish that love on you. Because love gives us courage. Because we need courage to do the F. F is free. That is the action plan to do something about right. where you're at. Right. And then maybe you do just one thing. Because how deep is the hole you're in? You do just one thing and then you cycle back again. Well, see, where are you now? Mm. Why are you there? <laughs> Lavish the love on yourself to give yourself the courage to take the action to get free another step. Hmm. So it's a repetitive action. I have it in my courses. I use it in my workshops and my, my speaking and hmm. my coaching. And it's extremely effective. I learned that that is actually the process God took me through, but I didn't have any fancy way of putting it before. <laughs> it's beautiful. Just beautiful. And it is, uh, I love to, I love two things in what you have just said there. The first is that you have to stop and take a an inventory to actually say, wow, where I am actually. And we sometimes just don't do that. We just keep going, 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 looking and like, I need help, I need help, but just don't distract me right now because I'm busy. And it's just thinking, oh, come on, that doesn't work. Um, but again, when we're in that rat race, the rat race is all, all important. That is it. Nothing else matters. And it's a coping mechanism. It's a trauma response also. If I keep so, myself so busy, then I don't have to deal with that. You took the words out of my mouth, Danielle. Absolutely. And it is, and I was guilty as charged because that was certainly how I became a good doctor because I worked around the clock. Uh, and that is, you learn a lot and you do a lot and you get skilled. Well, that's a good side. But yeah, I did not deal with my core problems. I did not deal with, with things that had occurred in the past uh, that were occurring to me then. And because I had not learned the lessons from the past, therefore I was bound to repeat them. 
Um, so unfortunately, <laughs> that again brings us back to the lack of love in the in the history and the lack of love right now there. But I digress. Now it is um, it is so important to take that inventory. But then what you the next step you said is take action. A tiny, and it doesn't matter how how big this action is, a tiny step, and then reassess. That's exactly what a doctor does. When I'm in theater and look after a patient or an emergency department, I'll take an inventory, see what is happening, and then I do one interact, uh, one step. Uh, let's say I might give some fluid so that the patient feels better, and then I reassess, okay, where are we now? Oh, no, actually that fluid was not enough or okay the fluid was nice for him but for now we need to do that and move on it is this a very stepwise process right. that is what a, a, a doctor does in our daily life yet in if we move out of our working life into our own lives is this no as if you somehow somehow just leave all that at work and at home, you're bumbling around like an idiot. Um, and uh, as far as the other roles in your life concerns, maybe the relationships, maybe your relationship as a, as a father to, uh, to your children or mm-hmm. as a son to your parents, etc. We are not doing the same thing there. We are, we are shooting from the hip. We are, we are basically like, like reflex, reflex animals ultimately, uh, without who never really learned to understand what drives their behavior. And I think mm-hmm. what, what you're doing there, you're showing the end result, you're showing love as the goal, as the, the vision and mission to get to. But there is this process behind it that starts with looking at where are you at now? How do right. people respond to that when, when you start with the inventory because that's a big process i mean this step four in in the aa program or in the 12 step program oh that takes days weeks months um so people nowadays want quick fixes they come to you say yes i want love i want it now actually yesterday would be good um how does that work with you (laughs) i let them bumble around Mm. with where are you at and what are you wanting to accomplish? And, you know, talking about where they're at, why did you come to me in the first place? And what Mm. do you want to do this for? And, you know, talk about just discuss where they are at, ask lots and lots of questions. Mm. Well, what made you do that? Well, why did you do this? And, Mm. you know, why did you come to me and what do you want to get out of this? And Mm. what is your point here? And why are you doing this? And all those questions that are open-ended for them to get them talking and then to ask questions in response to the things that they say. And that's so important, isn't it? Let them talk because often enough, we don't talk about our emotions. Therefore I had so many experiences where I said something and like, like suddenly thought, what is coming out of my mouth there? What is coming out? So obviously something (laughs) below my consciousness was talking and Suddenly I heard it, or I had someone ask me to write things down, maybe to journal, things like that. And suddenly things come out that way. And you think, huh, who said that? Oh, I said that shit. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? So you need that time to explore yeah. and then 
take one of these problems often we all have so many of them but take one of them and make one little step and see where that goes mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. five in uh with my most recent client was talking with her about what are the five top priority areas that you want to focus on instead of 27 or 895 <laughs> boil oh. it down to just five yeah, exactly <laughs> you know and then you have a starting place but yeah. sometimes people can worry about that. Well, well I, I have more than five. Well, mm. we'll get there. And one of the things I really struggled with with myself was patience with my healing. <laughs> I wanted to be all better. I mean, I've been doing this for years. Why am I not better yet? <laughs> uh, yep. But when I was writing my first book, Emerging with Wings, I was given the gift of a word that I didn't know existed. And you probably know what it is. I had never heard the word before. So I went to Google and looked it up to see if it was a real thing. It's called microsurgery. Are you familiar with microsurgery? Yeah, very much so. I remember reading this one story about this person's leg and how it was shredded open and how they, they had to clean it and pack it with beads and wash it out in this great big long process just to clean it before they even went into the other process of starting to repair it and all the different processes, uh -huh. how long that process was. I was oh, like, beautiful. oh, <laughs> that's very true, actually. And if you if you look at certain injuries, well, they look like a bloody bull has gored you and then put you through a meat mincer. And that is mm -hmm. what your leg looks like. So that is true as far as the anatomy is concerned. And I certainly have anesthetized for operations that were many, 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 many hours long, because mm -hmm. that is how long it took to even do the first step, as you quite rightly say, right. of that surgery and right. many more to come. Now, many of our lives and our souls look as gored and as ripped apart like that, yet we want immediate satisfaction. Yay. <laughs> yeah, because you can't see them with your eyeballs. Hmm. Uh, part of my problem was I denied my trauma because it wasn't as bad as, you know, others. Hmm. I have never been sexually assaulted. You know, I hadn't been in a tsunami. I mean, I hadn't been in a plane crash. I hadn't been at a school shooting. So mm. all of the things I had been through, I dismissed them and just get over it. Because, you know, I grew up during the baby boomer thing. And that was a thing. Children could be seen and not heard and shut up and get over it and just suck it up and get over it. So just basically pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. But the emotional neglect and the traumas that happened, it just it ravaged me inside. Mm. And I also learned later through my healing, I, there's a book called Running on Empty by Dr. Janice Webb about childhood emotional neglect. That's how I learned the term. But my counselor helped me heal of it before I knew the fancy term. <laughs> because there's so many ways a child could be emotionally neglected. And she, she goes through 12 different parent styles of how a child can be ne neglected. And my parents fit into three of those. And one I like to bring up all the time because it's the most common one and the ones that people dismiss the most. And that is well-meaning parents who were emotionally neglected themselves. They don't have to give what you need. So it's not like they're trying to withhold that, but you can't give someone something they don't, that you don't have. Exactly. If I don't have $5, I can't give you $5. But still then the child suffers. So I was bent on, I am not raising my kids how I was raised. I don't know mm. how I'm supposed to, but just not that. <laughs> so 
So I, I was a studier. I was a learner. I watched other parents raise their kids, read books and listened to tapes. And oh my goodness, just give me the information I need and prayed. And I'm pretty pleased with how my kids have turned out. I've apologized for things because I know I fell short because I didn't have certain things. But they knew they were loved. <laughs> that was one thing I was bent on. They're going to know they are loved. And they knew that. was not. I messed up in other places, like every parent will in some way because nobody's perfect. Mm. But that I bring that up because people dismiss that because they don't want to address that kind of emotional neglect because they feel like they're throwing their parents under the bus. Hmm. But I made a mathematical equation in my first book. No malice does not equal no harm. Beautiful. Beautiful. If I hit you in the head with a baseball, hmm. but I didn't mean to, that doesn't mean you weren't hurt. And I just implore people to own that, that they're so afraid of hurting their parents. And if their parents are uncooperative, it could cause trouble. I, I, I get that. But sometimes a parent will come along with you. I started reconnecting with my mom as an adult. She reached out to me and we started reconnecting and she started dealing with some things. And I got to help her with it back way back before I became all author, coach, speaker, and all that stuff. She died back in 1994, so that was a long time ago. But she got pancreatic cancer. And I believe that was her body somatizing all of her trauma from her growing up. She lost her dad when she was seven and went through the Great Depression. And when her mother remarried, the when I think she was 12, the dad, the stepdad said, I raised my kids. I'm not raising another one. <laughs> and other things that she went through, she was suffering herself. And then she lost her husband when they were not even married 20 years. It was, she had a lot of trauma, but she suppressed her feelings. That's something that was revealed to me later that I need to stop numbing my feelings. I need to start dealing with them or the same thing would happen to me. I took her on a trip for her 65th birthday, a gift. She'd always wanted to go to a place called Hershey, Pennsylvania, here in America. Have you ever heard of Hershey chocolate? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania, it. it's a city that was um, established by the gentleman who created Hershey chocolate, and the whole city is revolving around that. And he was such a great philanthropist with you know, giving money into children. I mean, it's amazing. And around Christmas time, it was just fantastic with all the decorations and stuff. She always had a dream of going there. And I had the pleasure of taking her there her, yeah. uh, her last Christmas that she was alive. But in that trip, we laughed so hard, we cried. And in our talking, she cried. And she told me she had not done either one of those two things in years. She had suppressed those emotions and suppressing our emotions is deadly. People think that it's smart. They think that it's strong. No, it's foolish. It's destructive. Your emotions are a part of you. They are 
messengers. That's what Dr. Caroline Leaf calls them, messengers. I love that because you, you've probably heard the line, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> well, the emotion is coming to tell you something. Absolutely. But so many people shoot the messenger of the emotion because it's bad. It's bad. No, listen to it. What is it trying to tell you? Exactly. And then respond instead of react or suppress. We are, we're amazing beings. I, I sometimes just, I marvel at humans. Humans are just phenomenal creations. I just, what the body is capable of doing, you're a doctor, you know how fantastic the body is. It's, yeah. it's healing properties and how all the things are doing all the different things at all the different times. And it's like, I just, I, I get amazed at it. I get mm. So amazed, I love science. Well, you're right, exactly. It, it, it's it's mind-blowing. You're quite right. Uh, it is, there are, ah, uh, you said so many things. I could just listen here. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm barely firing any questions here because you give me one nugget after the other, one, one thing that makes me think, uh, you know, little words that you're using. Many of them I've been using myself so many times, yet, you rephrase them a little bit and suddenly they become applicable to a certain situation in your own life, which yeah. is suddenly making it, huh. And that is so beautiful because what you're doing is you're talking, you're, you're, you're opening up and you're talking about uh, maybe taboo subjects. I mean, it was certainly not easy for you to, to let your mom back into your life and uh, and there were these these concerns. I mean, you had walked out. You wanted to go to California. There was obviously uh, obviously much more rift there uh, than than we explored in this show. So to now for you to come full circle and to to be able to accept that the past does not equal the future, and oh, take exactly. active steps that that takes guts that takes that takes a lot of doing and but these are all the beautiful steps that we do this was a big step but it's that, so worth it oh, it absolutely. is so worth it it's worth the pain it's worth the pain <laughs> so wow worth the pain. wow danielle uh you're an amazing woman um there's no two ways around that and i love the way you explore uh explore love the real meaning, the deep meaning of love. What I also, what I love about you is that that on the one hand you're a religious woman, you're a woman who believes in Jesus Christ, and you have had his own his own uh, revelations uh, in mm -hmm. your life. Yet you speak a language that attracts me. Um, there was not much of Jesus, whilst he is Jesus is Lord directly over your right shoulder. Um, okay, yeah, so I, I, I get the message. sitting here, because I wasn't <laughs> trying to put it Oh, no, 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 I asked you to at. move that way. No, 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 that's, <laughs> You did, you did. That is, that, that is, was why I was sitting there. <laughs> oh, you're gorgeous. No, yeah, Danielle knows that I'm an atheist and, and, and a humanist. No, 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 this is, but you are, I, I don't care what belief system helps you to do the healing steps and trying to find a purpose in life and trying to find the new you that you can accept, not just accept, that you can love, that I don't care what helps you to move from victim to survivor to thriver. Those are the steps that we all need to go through. 
I loved it how you said that it's not a pissing contest when it comes to trauma, but oh, there was there's I was not in a tsunami, etc. Whatever whatever big traumas you think is worthy to be called a trauma. No, mm -hmm. there's so many little traumas, and we just brush them under under the carpet and and think now, who am I? Who am I to call that trauma? The but really, what the truth is is trauma is not the incident. That's something I've learned. Trauma is uh, not the incident. The world as at large thinks that trauma is the incident. I've heard it recently said it called it a trauma exposure. Yeah. It's a situation that could cause trauma. Yeah. Two people can go through the exact same nice. thing nice. and one be horribly traumatized Correct. and another one walk away scot-free without any negative feelings at all. Absolutely. It, trauma is the wound in the brain. Trauma is a wound in the soul. Yeah. Trauma is the wound that is left behind because a person was incapable of processing what was happening to them. Correct. Trauma is involuntary. Yeah. You don't say, I'm going to get traumatized or I'm going to not get traumatized. <laughs> it's, it's something yeah. that happens. Yeah. And that's why people run away from it because they think it's their fault. They pick mm. up the blame. There's so much shame attached to trauma. Yeah. There is no shame. There's no place for shame in my mm. life in any way for anyone at any time. I yeah. think shame is evil and I want no part of it. Mm. And blame, but blame has a place. It has a place for a moment, as a place to identify the source of the cause. And then you turn your attention to the healing. Mm. You don't focus on the blame because I like to illustrate with, okay, I'm standing on the top of a building with someone. They push me off. I fall down and I break my arm. Okay. They pushed me off. So they are to blame. Mm but I'm laying down on the ground with a broken arm. Do I focus on them or do I focus on my broken arm? Mm -hmm. You need to focus on the healing. Mm -hmm. You know, the blame, if you stay in blame, you will get stuck and never heal. But you don't say it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You don't say they didn't do that. Correct. You know, sometimes you might need to prosecute mm -hmm. and sometimes you, you know, you need to just identify, oh, it was that mm -hmm. situation. It was that person. Mm -hmm. And then you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's an identifying point. That's all it is, is an identifying point. And you have to identify that. Mm. You have to expose the source and then love the healing into you so you can walk free. Mm. So true. Danielle, you're an amazing woman. Um, please show us again the, the book that you have got there. The books, shall I say, but show us what you've got because these are beautiful because you matter and emerging with wings because you have put all your soul into these books and therefore they are a beautiful, beautiful resource for anyone out there who wants to get to know about Danielle's work more and equally at the same token, uh, maybe take the first step in getting to know you even better by maybe getting hold of you directly. So tell us a bit about where can people find you when... Before that, I want to mention in here, this is not, this is written in small little parts and it has a story of 10 other people in it. it has 10 other stories in it of 10 other people, men and women, black and white, old and young, Christian and not in here and their trauma stories and how they took ownership of their life and how they're thriving in life. Mm -hmm. 
one his best friend was murdered in a carjacking, one person they lost everything in a house fire, because there's all different kinds of trauma. Mm. And so that's that that one is written as a self-help and it's in small little pieces because I love this quote. I quote my girlfriend when she said it, I wrote it down and asked her if I could quote her. Broken hearts cannot swallow big paragraphs. <laughs> so okay. that's in small little pieces. So you could, you could put that in your bathroom and and read it when you go in there, little bits at a time, because it will that those little small little paragraphs to help. That's beautiful. So now to answer your question, how people can get a hold of me at my website, DanielleBurnock.com. It's B-E-R-N-O-C-K. And you can find everything there. I have a podcast. I have courses. I have books. I do workshops. I do speaking. I want to do whatever I can to help anyone to go from survive to thrive. My, my tagline is love yourself from survive to thrive because you have to love yourself. You won't do anything to help yourself unless you love yourself. I, one of my favorite quotes is by Carol Burnett. Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. So true. But sometimes you need the helping hand to oh, yeah. help you to do the inventory. <laughs> to You can't do it all yourself. On the contrary, you shouldn't do it all yourself. Right. Because you want to be the dumbest part of the team that is around you. These are power teams. These are the teams that the people that you put around yourself and surround yourself with who have gone already through experiences and have come out the other end and are now further down the line than you are. And that's right. really, really powerful. So if you find yes. such people, and my educated guess is Danielle is among those, um, maybe it is uh, time for you to jump over your own shadow and say, well, actually, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and um, just make that phone call, make that make that, that, that connection. Go on to, to uh, Amazon and get uh, Danielle's books and, and get an idea. So what could possibly go wrong? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Danielle, you're an amazing woman. I'm so grateful that you came onto my show. This was, uh, this was, you actually make me think. I found myself half of the time, oh shit, she stopped talking. I need to think about question because I was so engrossed in what you said and reflected so much in my own head um, about what you said and what it meant to my own life. And I think that is the sign of a really in-depth discussion that it makes you really, really think and makes you really feel mm -hmm. and question because that is the 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 the... the the area How outside. We grow. That's right. The area outside of the comfort zone that pushes you and says, "Hey, look, there's still healing to do." You you woke up this morning, you didn't know it, but right now I'm showing you. Here's the mirror in front of your face, and you think, "Huh, didn't see that coming." Okay, but here you are. Okay, I've, guess what I'm doing this weekend. Um, so, <laughs> so, but it is wonderful, and I I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think that's also for you guys out there. That's how healing happens. It comes sometimes in the funniest ways, uh, the realizations. Just be open to them. Don't don't numb yourself immediately when you when you get this kind of, oh, okay, what's going on? Actually, see, I get goosebumps just realizing what actually had occurred the last hour. So, in in and there you go. That's that's okay. 
That's okay. Your body responds. These are messages. These are these are powerful insights, glimpses into a future that might be waiting for you if you're just willing to explore, willing to love yourself. Ah, and that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, that shows me that my life has not come to an end. On the contrary, it's only just beginning. Because the only thing that matters is right now. And right, yes, the past has has coined me. The past has has made me who I am. But right now, I can choose how I right. respond to the messages. Right. And right. I have got the privilege to go out there to change myself. I've got the privilege to learn more about love. And yes. that's beautiful. Yes. So Danielle, the woman on the internet who loves you, um, <laughs> we need more people like you. And guess what you guys out there, you can be people like that. You can go on this Amen. journey. And maybe one day I've got you as a, as a guest on my show, because <laughs> you have actually, you have turned from survivor to thriver. And may, I hope so that, that, that we have maybe planted a little seed here and there. Amen. Yes, yes, I hope so too. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> if I thank can you. help reach out to me, I would love to help however I can. Brilliant. Danielle, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. And you guys out there, look after yourself, learn to love yourself and live with passion. Bye. <laughs>